0: My major pain is, has been invisible.
1: The mobility aid makes it better. It gives me freedom. It can get to the core beliefs we have about ourselves. Don't ever think you're alone.
0: Welcome to Major Pain. I'm your host, Jesse Mercury, and this week we'll be speaking with Stacy about her duo of major pains, Hashimoto's disease and endometriosis. Hashimoto's thyroiditis is a condition in which the body attacks the thyroid, According to the org, the thyroid gland is a small organ that's located in the front of the neck, wrapped around the windpipe or trachea. It's shaped like a butterfly, smaller in the middle, with two wide wings that extend around the side of your throat. The thyroid has an important job to do within your body, releasing and controlling thyroid hormones that control metabolism. The first clues that would lead Stacy to discovering she has Hashimoto's disease was when she was living in New York and could barely walk beyond three blocks. She started experiencing extreme fatigue and exhaustion, brain fog, weight gain, reproductive issues, and pain. She went to doctor after doctor, telling them something was wrong— but they ran all the tests, couldn't find any issues, and kept sending her out the door. It wasn't until Stacy did her own research and pinpointed exactly which tests to run that it was discovered that she does have Hashimoto's disease. Eventually, she was able to get on proper medication that would help to bring this disease under control. Stacy also has a long history of chronic pain from her endometriosis. This is a painful reproductive disease in which tissue, very similar to the tissue that grows inside the uterus, grows outside of the uterus. Stacy started having her period at just 9 years old, and by 15 she was already taking prescription painkillers to deal with her period, complaining over and over that her periods were extremely painful. As is all too common with endometriosis, Her doctors assumed over and over that she was just experiencing normal period pain when in fact she had endometriosis that was going untreated. Both of these diagnoses eventually happened because Stacy was persistent. She did a ton of research, talked to friends and family members, and finally found some relief from both of these diseases. For Hashimoto's disease, that relief came from a medication called armor thyroid, which is actually made from desiccated pig thyroid. And for endometriosis, that relief came from having surgery. As Stacy will share, the gold standard in endometriosis treatment is excision surgery. Stacy was lucky enough to see a specialist in excision surgery who was willing to do exploratory surgery to look for endometriosis, because in many cases, that is the only way to actually diagnose the disease. Stacey also talks about living in a body with both of these conditions, and how they overlap, how sometimes she's not sure which symptoms are caused by which condition. It's a super interesting discussion that I'm very excited to share with you, and we'll get to it in just a couple minutes. Last week on the show, my partner Andy and I gave some updates on our travels and our health. We talked a bit about how Andy had COVID, and thank you to everyone who reached out with the kind words and well wishes. We've already got a little bit of an update. Andy is now testing negative. She did actually have a COVID relapse. I'm not sure what to call it, a rebound, uh, something along those lines, where she had COVID, she started testing negative, and then started testing positive again. So we continued to isolate from each other for a few more days, and she's now on her second day of testing negative. So things are looking good. I am still testing negative. I never got COVID, and... Uh, still still superstitious about it, still knocking on wood over here, but um feeling hopeful that it passed me by at least for this trip, which is very exciting after we recorded last week 's episode, we sat down to record our bonus episode, our monthly bonus episode for the patreon community that supports this podcast. And even though we only recorded it a day or two after last week's updates, we already had a lot to share. So, Andy talked in last week's episode about bromocryptine, the medication she's on for her pituitary adenoma. And right after we recorded last week's episode, she had this breakthrough because she had been off of bromocryptine for uh, her COVID treatment. She'd been off of it long enough to actually recognize how it was affecting her emotionally and physically. And she kind of came out through the clouds of this medication right when we recorded our bonus episode. So that was absolutely fascinating to talk to her about when she had this brand new perspective about what she'd been experiencing. Yeah, it was a really awesome bonus episode. I also talked about all of the bad movies that I watched on airplanes <laughs> during our travels over the last month and rated them all. Talked about you know Kenobi and Stranger Things. Uh, All the stuff we're watching on TV. It's a really great episode, so if you're already signed up on the Patreon, make sure you check it out. I'll put a link in the description of this episode. And if you'd like to gain access to our monthly bonus episodes, you can sign up to support this podcast on Patreon for as little as $2 per month. Everyone who supports the podcast gains access to our monthly bonus episodes. Our $7 per month patrons also get a gift of a Major Pain coaster made by my mom, as well as special recognition in the end credits of every episode. And our $25 per month producers get all of the above rewards, plus a really beautiful Major Pain tote bag also made by my mom, and recognition in the beginning of each episode. So extra special thank you to Steve Cavanaugh, Chris Fowler, Ensign Q, Trish O'Brien, and Hipster Leia, our Patreon producers who are helping to make this show possible each and every week. If you're enjoying this show and you'd like to help support it to keep it going indefinitely, I need your support. Signing up on Patreon is a great way to do so. You can check it out at patreon.com slash majorpainpodcast. Another great way to support this show and the rest of the chronic illness community is by signing up to participate in research studies and surveys through Rare Patient Voice. If you have a diagnosis of any sort of disease or you are a caregiver, you are eligible to sign up on Rare Patient Voice. And I actually just got my first payment from someone signing up through Rare Patient Voice. Thank you, Amanda. Uh, So, this is a great way to support the podcast. If you use our link, which is in the description of each episode, or just go to rarepatientvoice.com slash majorpainpodcast to start the process of signing up through their services then you can participate in research studies and surveys, and you can actually get paid an average of $100 per hour for participating. So this is an awesome opportunity for you to make some extra money, get paid for having a disease for once, uh, help participate in scientific research to hopefully find better treatments for your disease in the future, and you can support this podcast at the same time. I also have to say thank you to Rare Patient Voice because the Major Pain Podcast was featured in a partner shout-out on Instagram and Facebook this week, so that was very exciting for me. We are two weeks away from an exciting live event that I will be hosting for the Connectra Society called the Major Pain Podcast, Speaking Out About Chronic Illness. I will be joined by Amy Stephanie Perez and Alana Jacklin will be talking about our own advocacy for the chronic illness communities, our content creation, and just about being public about living with a chronic illness, something that is often experienced in silence and in solitude. I'm very excited about this event. It will be happening July 25th at 12 p.m. Pacific time. If you'd like to register to watch the event through Zoom, you can do so now. I have a link that I will leave in the description of this podcast. You can also find the event by going to the Connectra Society's website, connectra.org. Navigate to the Participate tab and scroll down through their events, and then you will find it there. It's on Monday, July 25th at 12 p.m. Pacific time. I'll remind you as always that my guests and I are not medical professionals. This podcast is not intended as medical advice. It is intended to share the stories of individuals like myself living with chronic illness. So please do not take any action based off what you hear on this podcast without first consulting a doctor. And with that, we'll jump into our fantastic episode with Stacy about Hashimoto's disease and endometriosis. Stacy, welcome to the podcast.
1: Hi, Nancy. Thank you so much for having me. I like... Honestly, I love your podcast. Oh,
0: thank you. <laughs> I, <think
1: it's> so, <laughs> I think it's so important. Um, our mutual friend, Sunny. Yeah. connected Yeah. Uh, and when she told me about your podcast, I am, you know was so into it. And uh, listening to everyone's stories is so incredible. So I think what you're doing is so important. And thank you for having me.
0: Oh, yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. I, we were connected through a mutual friend, Sunny. And Sunny also supports the show on Patreon, which I'm very grateful for. And she's just an awesome person who... I met through my partner, Andy, um, and she she wrote to me and said, hey, I know someone who's going to be great on the show. And I'm like, absolutely. I would love to talk to you. So here we are. We're doing it.
1: We're <laughs> doing it. We're doing it.
0: Yeah. So Stacey, why don't you tell us about yourself?
1: Yeah. So uh, I'm Stacey. Hello, everyone. I'm 35, if that matters to anyone. <laughs> um, I am a human design reader and an authenticity coach. Um, I went to school for music theater uh, in in college, so I have my BFA in music theater. I did the whole New York thing for ten years. I'm a born and raised Austinite, Austin, Texas, and my fiance and I just um, just oh gosh, what is time? 2020, when the <laughs> pandemic hit, we relocated <laughs> back down uh, to Austin. So that's where I've been living full time.
0: Yeah. Okay. You said he. You said human something reader. I, I don't know what yeah. that is. T- tell me that again.
1: Yeah, a human design reader. Human, so human design, design reader. Mm-hmm. What,
0: what is that?
1: Yeah, human design is a map of your energetic DNA based on the time and place you were born. Very similar to astrology. It's rooted in ancient wisdom, but also science. Um, so it's if you've ever gotten your like natal chart read, it's kind of like that. But it teaches you how to live your life with more energetic alignment and to live the life that you actually want to be living as opposed to the life you feel like you should
0: be living. So what, what sort of steps can one take to be more in line with their energetic alignment?
1: (laughs) Yeah. So in human design, there are four different types. One has a subset type um, and it basically teaches you how your authentic energy is meant to show up in the world. So there are generators who are our life force doers There are manifestors who are our initiators. There are projectors who are the guides and um, coaches and leaders. Then there are manifesting generators who are multi-passionate doers and reflectors who are humanities evaluators. And so basically we're all taught to live life as a generator, as a doer, Mm. go, go, go hustle, 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 make it happen. And for a lot of people That's really not how your energy is meant to show up in the world. And I actually, once I learned about human design, which was a part of my healing process for my chronic illness, (laughs) Hmm. um, everything kind of changed for me. And I learned that I wasn't living the way that my energy is meant to show up in the world. And that kind of really changed a whole bunch of me in this whole health process. And I loved it so much that I became certified and now I use it in my life coaching business.
0: Wow. Fascinating. You just introduced me to something I had no idea existed, but yeah. it, I'm always talking on the podcast about, you know, learning to live in harmony with yourself mm-hmm. around chronic illness. And it sounds like maybe this uh, human design is sort of a, uh, it, it reminds me almost of like music theory is a way to describe something that uh, that, like harmonies that are pleasing like why are they pleasing you know people trying to put words and and rules around something that uh sort of exists um on its own that people are trying to understand it sounds like maybe this is sort of similar with just like human beings existing in the world is is that accurate
1: yeah absolutely hmm. it's like a foundation that you can use it's a tool it's not a belief system so if you yeah. subscribe to any organized religion like it's not in conflict with that it's just a tool to really kind of help you live in harmony, as you said, with yourself and your surroundings and your people and finding the road that's right for you.
0: Yeah, interesting. And, you know, this is the time more so than any other time in my lifetime where everybody is feeling like we're all on a weird path, you know, like the world is weird right now. It's just crisis on top of crisis, on top of COVID, on top of, you know, just all, all of these, like, social reckonings happening at the same time, and it's just really hard to feel centered and grounded right now.
1: Mm, mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely.
0: <laughs> yeah. I know that's something that Andy and I talk about all the time. It's like, what can we do to find some sense of, you know, normalcy or some sense of foundation in life right now? Because everything is so up for grabs in a way that feels so uncomfortable.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It- our society is definitely snow-globed, as I like to call it, Just like turn it upside down and just <laughs> shake it up for everyone. It's rough out there.
0: Yeah, that's that's an interesting analogy. Um, well, you mentioned your chronic illness and how this has been a part of your healing process. And now I'm, I'm very curious to jump into this. So, Stacey, what is your major pain?
1: So, I have a couple major pains. I have Hashimoto's thyroiditis, which is a thyroid autoimmune, and I also have endometriosis, which is when... Tissue similar to the tissue that lines your um, your uterus, the endometrium, grows outside of it and sheds and behaves as such, and it's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: and very painful from what I understand.
1: Yeah, super painful. And I think what's the most frustrating is that when you're diagnosed, which in itself takes so many years and so much, you know, Advocating for yourself and finding the right doctors, but when when you do get diagnosed, is that the stage that you're diagnosed does not correlate with your pain? Hmm. So you can just have a little bit of endo growing and be in excruciating pain, or you could have stage four deep infiltrating endometriosis and not even know it.
0: Wow, interesting. Yeah, every chronic illness is so different for every person, um, and we've we've spoken to people on the show before that have uh, both of these conditions, but never someone who has both together at the same time.
2: <laughs> um, so, I'm curious
0: to see how they intertwine and, over- and overlap because, you know, everything in the body <laughs> is connected to everything else. Um, so, you've told us a little bit about endometriosis. Tell us about Hashimoto's for anyone who's not familiar.
1: Yeah. So, Hashimoto's is a thyroid autoimmune where basically your body attacks your thyroid um, because it thinks it's evil, which is kind of <laughs> why... A lot of people with Hashimoto's or thyroid issues go gluten-free because of molecular mimicry. So a gluten molecule is very similar to a thyroid molecule. Um, So when you eat gluten, your body doesn't know that it's food and that it just sends more antibodies to attack your thyroid. Hmm. Um, But yeah, your, your thyroid, and I'm so angry about it because once I got this diagnosis, I realized how important your thyroid is to every function in the body um, including your reproductive organs so it's oftentimes people with endometriosis will be diagnosed with um, hashimoto's oh, wow. or you know other autoimmunes too
0: interesting and so the thyroid my, my understanding is limited the thyroid regulates um, hormone production is
1: mm-hmm. that right? hormone production um your temperature your metabolism you're just so many things. When you Google it, you're like, oh, how come I was never taught how to nurture and nourish <laughs> thyroid. Yeah. until it just stops working in the way it should. And then you're, you know, SOL.
0: Yeah. So I'm sure that symptoms vary widely from person to person, but in your case, what are the symptoms of Hashimoto's?
1: Yeah. So I, honestly, my Hashimoto's is pretty under control right now. Uh, well, I am about to see my thyroid doctor, so (laughs) maybe not so under control because I am having some symptoms. But when I was first diagnosed with it, it was a lot of fatigue. Uh, I was living in New York City. uh, This is 2019. So pretty recently, honestly. um, And I couldn't walk three blocks without having to sit down and rest.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And in New York, you know that that's just crazy talk. And (laughs) as somebody who... Walks a lot, especially when I was in the city, it was a big red flag and it was brain fog, not being able to, you know, remember my words, not being able to remember what I was doing. Why did I walk into this room? Well, oh, I forgot this important document I was supposed to bring to this appointment. Just a bunch of things, Um, weight gain, um, more reproductive issues and pain than I had been used to, which was already a lot. Um, but yeah, those are, those are the big ones that led me to say, okay, what's going on here.
0: Yeah. And that sounds hard to diagnose because that, that sounds like symptoms that overlap with a lot of other chronic illnesses.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It, it took a lot of searching and I went to a lot of doctors, you know, it actually started with, uh, my gynecologist because I was having, you know, a lot of reproductive issues. Um, when it comes to my endometriosis, you know, I had precocious puberty. So I started my period when I was nine before they even really teach you what it is. So I thought I was dying and I hid it from my mom for a while and then was like, um, excuse me, what's (laughs) happening here? And my mom was like, ah, I'll never forget it. She was like, ah, shit. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so I had seen, you know, a lot of different gynecological doctors being like, I'm in so much pain, you know, I'm having all of these issues. I'm bleeding really heavily. Um, And I finally found one doctor who was like, well, why don't we test your thyroid? Why don't we test your TSH only? Which is a big problem when it comes to Hashimoto's diagnosis, because your TSH does not give you the whole picture. And as everyone who's probably been on this podcast knows, Your normal levels are not your optimal levels.
0: Mm. What what does TSH stand for?
1: Oh, so TSH is your thyroid stimulating hormone. It's basically the hormone that tells your thyroid to either work more or work less, or it's in homeostasis and things are pretty great.
2: Gotcha. Um,
1: So when I got my levels uh, tested, they were a little high, but still kind of in the normal stage, which is what really did me in Mm. because no doctor would test further.
0: Mm -hmm. and um, totally
1: yeah (laughs) as (laughs) you very well know (laughs) yeah
0: that's so frustrating it's like you could be circling the diagnosis for years because things are testing within the normal range even though it's not normal for you
1: yeah absolutely and i saw after after they tested my tsh my gynecologist at that time was like okay something's wrong but we can't do anything about it. So go find another doctor who can go to your PCP or go to an endocrinologist. So I found a PCP at the time I didn't have one (laughs) and um, went to them. They retested to do their own tests. And they were like, Nope, you're fine. Look at you. You're fine. And so then I went to an endocrinologist and they were like, you're fine. Everything's fine. (laughs) And I just remember sobbing in their office being like, I am not fine. Like, I can't, walk three blocks in New York city without having to rest. Like I'm so tired all of the time. Like This is not, I am not fine. And one of the doctors never forget it turned to me and said, well, have you ever tried losing weight? (laughs) And I looked at her in the eye and I said, ma'am, I am a 30 something woman in America. Like you don't, think that i've ever tried to lose weight she's like well have you tried this have you tried this have you tried this and it really kind of set me off because i when i was younger i dealt with disordered eating Hmm. and doctors just don't care (laughs) they don't care to know
0: this is so frustrating
1: yeah it's like you don't know hearing these things from you trying to help yeah it's actually very triggering
0: very triggering yeah
1: and i Continued to sob. And this doctor, oh God, I tell this story so much because it's so funny and awful, <laughs> but did not know how to handle my tears as a patient and just kind of was like, sorry, and sidestepped out of the room. <laughs> like, cannot make it up. I was <laughs> just like, <laughs> boop, 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 boop. <laughs> the door. I was like, uh, okay, I just leave. <laughs> wow.
0: How, how old were you in this? Was this 2019? This is 2019. Wow. Yeah. This is wild. I mean, <laughs> it's it's so this is unfortunately the common experience is to like go to doctors and have them run a couple tests, not see anything on the tests, and then start kind of blaming the patient. It's like, well, it must be something you're doing if mm-hmm. it's if it's not something, you know, that, that we can test for instead of being like, oh, well, maybe there's something we haven't found yet. No doctor ever ever says that. I mean, it's, yeah. well, they, that's they say it sometimes, but it's very rare. It's very hard to very find. Very rare.
2: Yeah. Very rare. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Okay. So this doctor sidesteps and then you feel lost and feel like you have nowhere to go.
1: Hmm. It was like, well, I guess I just have to keep looking because what do you do? You know, if I can't even get out of bed some days, it's like I can't live my life like this, especially working so many jobs, trying to piecemeal my rent together in New York city as a creative, finally found a doctor to test my antibodies, which is the only way that you know, if you have Hashimoto's. Um, and a lot of doctors don't want to test you for that because they think that the treatment is the same. If you have hypothyroidism, which is technically what I had, so you can have hypothyroidism, which is where your thyroid is, you know, trying to work hard at sending those, you know, it's not doing what it needs to do. And so that's when your TSH, your thyroid stimulating hormone goes up and that's called hypothyroidism. And then if you have Hashimoto's, that's when you test positive for the antibodies that are attacking your thyroid. Mm-hmm. And no matter if you have Hashimoto's or just hypothyroidism, usually the treatment plan is the same.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So a lot of doctors are like, it doesn't matter if you have autoimmune, which is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> like, how does that what do you mean it doesn't matter? Yeah. If it's autoimmune or it's not? Like if you have an autoimmune disease, that means that like something's going on in your body that's that's sending, you know, uh cells to to attack your own body. And right. If you have one autoimmune, that means that you probably have more. And so it's just it just boggles my mind. The more I learn about everything in the medical field, I'm like, it just make it make sense.
0: Yeah, totally. Um, Yeah. uh, Doctors are sometimes like, well, there's no point in testing for this because we can't do anything about it. And it's like, yeah, but we'd know what, what I have and we can stop searching for it. You know, how does it make sense to not have those answers? But right. it's, it's something I've heard multiple times about, like, you know, we're not going to test for these diseases because there's nothing you can do about those. I'm like, yeah, but I'm undiagnosed at 37 years old. Like, can we please try to find a diagnosis? Like, that's my priority yeah, like, right now. I'd
1: at least like to know what it's not, maybe. I don't know.
0: <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, that's helpful, too, finding, finding out what it's not. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So, so then what happens?
1: So I finally found a doctor who tested my antibodies and was like, yes, you do have an autoimmune and it made so much sense. And then they put me on, um, a medication called, uh, levothyroxine, which is, you know, basic hypothyroidism medication. And it wasn't working for me. And so even though I was taking this medication, I was like, I'm not feeling any better. And that doctor was like, well, just keep taking it, just keep taking it, just keep doing the same things over and over again. I was like, you're not hearing me. I'm like, this isn't working for me. And so then I had to leave that doctor and find a new doctor. And Mm -hmm. I finally found a functional medicine doctor
2: Mm
1: -hmm. um, who put me on uh, armor thyroid, which is like the desiccated pig thyroid, because what was happening is that even though I was taking this medication, it wasn't helping me convert the right hormones. So I had to go on pig thyroid (laughs) (laughs) i love telling people that they're like what (laughs) you take what um and and that has really helped me convert so um things are things are on track with my thyroid thank goodness because it does rule so many processes processes and yeah
0: i have a couple questions i'll make sure i'm following this correctly so yeah the antibody test that they did is that an ana test like a like a that tests for like a whole bunch of different um auto antibodies
1: so they did they tested specifically for the thyroid antibodies so okay. you can have okay. uh tpo and tg
0: okay.
1: um, those are like the two different
0: gotcha. ones that they are
1: for specifically for so
0: there is a, a very specific thyroid mm-hmm. antibody test yeah. um And how, I mean, how did you convince your doctor to do that?
1: Um, (laughs) You know, I finally got to a point where I was like, F this. And I just walked in and I was like, I need you to test for these things. Hmm. Something is not right. And it's so hard to do. Advocating for yourself in a doctor's office is so hard. And it is a skill that you learn over time, which really, you know, once you get fed up (laughs) with every other doctor you've been to you know, I was like, uh, you also have to do your own research, which I know is, you know, a topic on this podcast too, of there's a fine line between playing Dr. Google and also learning how to research your condition and how to advocate for yourself. Mm -hmm. So through that research, I was able to be like, I would like these antibody tests done. Something is not right. I, I would like these done. And most of the times doctors will be like, no, you don't need it. And then, you know, you do the, the fail safe. Okay, well, can you please mark that on my chart? Can you please make a note that you would not test for these and they're like, "Well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll test for them, sure." So,
0: yeah, that's a great tip. That. That's something awesome. other people have said too. It's like, "Will you mm-hmm. mark it in my chart that you refuse to test for this and then they get results?" Um, but yeah, that's so interesting that you just found you found this specific test that you wanted to try and you just asked the doctor and they did it and it was positive. So yeah. you basically diagnosed yourself, you know, you kind of yeah. circumvented a broken medical system to, to find answers inside of the medical system. That's, that's awesome. <laughs>
1: yeah. And unfortunately it's very rare. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. It's so tough. Cause like, there's so many things that mimic each other mm-hmm. and like how I, I've been feeling this way recently. I'm like, how am I supposed to find all of the different possibilities you know that to bring to the doctor i brought a ton of possibilities to my doctor and i've not gotten lucky with yeah. with something being positive yet um except for a false positive which wasn't even yeah that's a whole other story that wasn't my idea that was something the doctor tested for and was like oh my god we found it no we didn't it was false positive
1: yeah um, but that was your line
0: that well <laughs> that too <laughs> <laughs> that was uh Cysticercosis, I tested positive for recently, but then we found oh. out it was a false positive. Um, and the Lyme also, the Lyme disease, we knew from the beginning was a false positive because of the way that it showed up in the test results. But my doctor, I, it was a functional medicine doctor who actually treated for it. So, oh. I do have some functional medicine experience. It's sort of the uh, a doctor who's trained in both naturopathy and traditional medicine. And it's kind of a rare thing to find. And they will often, you know, try to lean on supplements instead of medication, which brings me to my other question. So, this uh, this pig hormone, is this like a over-the-counter supplement?
1: Uh, no. So, it's it's a medication.
0: Oh, it is a medication. That okay. I can take.
1: Mm-hmm. Insurance doesn't cover it, so I have to mm. pay out of pocket for it. It, it could be worse. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't really like that phrase, could be worse, because then it takes the validation out of your own experience away. But um, it could be worse. It could be yeah. more expensive, <laughs> but it's still annoying because- if you use a medication, it doesn't work. And then you have to use this other medication and insurance. is just a whole nother episode. Really. <laughs>
0: we yeah. Talk about Yeah. Um, okay. Interesting. So it is a prescription medication mm-hmm. that you can't just go into a store and buy, but insurance yeah. is not covering it. Even though you have a, uh, a diagnostic test saying that you have Hashimoto's, they still won't cover it. That doesn't make any sense. No. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. No. <laughs>
2: <Of> course. <laughs>
0: yeah I mean, you know and anyone with a chronic illness has fought insurance over medication at one point or another, and what they decide to pay for or not is usually usually nonsensical and oftentimes based on how much the medication costs. Um, so if something is like more expensive than another option, they just won't pay for it, even if the other option doesn't work, which is like, then what is the point of you? <laughs> yeah
2: Yes yeah
0: so, <laughs> so so you got this this uh pig hormone that is helping your thyroid to act more normally um mm-hmm. and regulate things more normally and that has it sounds like that's really helped all the Hashimoto symptoms what did mm-hmm. that feel like when you first started using it And it's like did, were you able to start walking more than three blocks
1: <laughs> yeah yes I was um so actually you know thyroid issues can be genetic, you know, autoimmune is genetic. So I, I talked to my aunt actually, and it was funny because when I was in process of finding this diagnosis, I called my dad and I was like, Hey dad, do thyroid issues run in our family? And he was like, no, not that I know of. I was like, Oh, okay. That's weird. Noted. And then like two weeks later, he calls back and was like, so I've been very mistaken.
2: <laughs>
1: he's like, turns out so many women on our side deal with Thyroid autoimmune and hypothyroidism, and so luckily, I was able to talk to my aunt, who has Hashimoto's too. Uh, she's on the armor thyroid. So luckily, she was able to kind of point me in that direction of, usually um, the levothyroxine doesn't convert for us in the Keel family. Mm. So I, I had a guiding light in that way that kind of helped me uh, find.
0: Yeah. That's so helpful.
1: Yeah. And so once I could convert again, like it, it was being able to kind of come up and see clearly Mm. for the first time in a while, the brain fog went away. You know, I had a little bit more energy. Um, I felt pretty normal again. And then I cut out gluten. So my antibodies did drop a lot. Um, and that's kind of where I am now with the, with the thyroid stuff. I was able to find healing. yeah
0: that's amazing i mean it often feels like with chronic illness it's like these things turn on and it feels like they're never going to turn off and people lose hope because it just feels hopeless Mm -hmm. Um, but it's not you know sometimes you'll find an answer sometimes there's one medication that will turn it back off and your body will start to function normally again and you know that happens to people all the time and even though it you know like for someone like me, where I, I still don't have that answer, I'm, it, I'm just always focusing on the fact that it is still possible to find it.
1: Yeah. It can be hard to keep that hope. It can be hard to hold on to that. Yeah. Um, absolutely.
0: How did you get through that period of time? It sounds like it was maybe, um, how, how long was that period of time where you were really struggling to function because of your Hashimoto's?
1: When I was really struggling, honestly, it was about six months. So not oh, wow. terrible, yeah. not terrible at all. Uh, again, could be worse, not invalidating my experience, <laughs> but uh, I know people who struggle in like endo is a completely different story, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but luckily I was able to listen to my body, which can be really hard for people in general, but I was able to know that, Something wasn't right, and I am an Aries. That's my sun sign, and so my Aries fire sign was like, "Fuck this! We're (laughs) gonna find answers. We're gonna get it." Because so often, you know, just like you know, like you're still searching, and it's hard to just be like, "Well, I guess I'm gonna stop and live like this." Like you just can't necessarily afford to do that.
0: Yeah, that, that, and that's a whole other discussion. You know, like that's something that took me years to get to the point where it's like. I got to learn how to live like this, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but in this one scenario, you know, finding that answer within, within six months is pretty remarkable. And I'm, um, you know, I, I hear what you're saying. Like, could be worse. It could have been longer. But going through that for six months is still awful, you know? <laughs> yeah. and, and, and you have this whole other condition that we should dive into. Like, what is the story yeah. with endometriosis?
1: Yeah. So, like I said, I started my period when I was nine. Uh, just a wee little babe. I think back on her and I'm like, you poor, poor thing. <laughs> <laughs> I want to hug her, my inner child. Um, and at age 15 is when it got like really bad and I had to go on prescription pain medication. Wow. Um, and, you know, all of the doctors were like, it's normal. Your pain is normal. It's okay. I remember doing a musical in high school and having to drive myself to the rehearsal and I had to make a pit stop at home because I had to pick up my pain medication yeah. and I walked in the door and I like crumbled to the floor and my mom was like, Oh my God, like what's going on? I was like, I have to go to musical rehearsal.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: and so, you know, I, I went there and I remember just being on the floor in the field position for most of it, like crying because it was so bad.
0: How how common is it for for a 15 year old to need prescription pain medication for their period. I mean, that doesn't sound like something that is normal to me, but I don't, I, mean, I don't know things.
1: Yeah. It doesn't sound normal, <laughs> does it? Yeah. But unfortunately, endometriosis affects one in nine. So it probably is more, more common normal than, you think. than, yeah, more common than you yeah. think and want to admit.
0: And my understanding is that endometriosis is also severely underdiagnosed because doctors will hear a woman saying, I'm in excruciating pain, you know, with my period every month and they'll just kind of brush it off as being normal without looking deeper into it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it wasn't until I actually got my endo diagnosis in 2020. So like I said, like all of this is pretty wow. fresh.
0: So we're, yeah. we're talking, wow. So you just dealt with yeah. excruciating pain for years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow.
1: Yeah. As one of my, <laughs> one of my very good friends said something to me that will probably haunt me for the rest of my <laughs> working on releasing it and healing it and and forgiving it. But I remember I was having a period and I was in so much pain and she was like, are you okay? And I said, no, I feel like I'm having the worst period of my life. And she turned to me and was like, but isn't every period like the worst period of your life? (laughs) And I was like, Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> it is. And then when I finally got my endo diagnosis, I was like, and this is why, like flip yeah. table.
0: Yeah. Horrible. Yeah. I mean, I can't imagine, you know, I can't imagine having to deal with that once a month, knowing that once a month you're going to go through this excruciating pain. Um, you know, I've talked to a few people on the podcast recently with um, various reproductive uh chronic health issues, endometriosis, adenomyosis, and also PMDD, Mm, uh, premenstrual dysphoric disorder, all of which just sound awful. And just knowing that it's coming once a month, like how do you mentally wrap your brain around having to live through that constantly?
1: Well, constantly is probably the the more appropriate word because when you get to a point in your endo, even after you've had excision surgery and been diagnosed, like I've had excision surgery, I was so, so lucky in all of my diagnostic experiences because for me, you know, my Hashimoto's was diagnosed pretty pretty quickly. And then I had COVID in 2020 in New York Mm -hmm. Um, at the time I didn't know it. But it wasn't until like a couple months later, where I had uh, a, a super bad period, like even worse than my normal periods, and that pain never went away.
2: Mm.
1: It never went away. <laughs> I was wow. like, "Oh dear!" Uh, had to go to the hospital for it. Had to go to the ER in New York during COVID because I couldn't keep water down. I like was vomiting. I couldn't eat. I couldn't drink. I, I remember calling my parents and being like, I don't, should I go? I don't know. I feel like I'm dying. Like, what do I do? And you're like, just go to the hospital. And, you know, they did the tests and they were like, maybe it's this, maybe it's that, maybe it's digestive." And at the end of the day, they were like, bye. And just like sent me, they gave me fluids, which I <laughs> needed, but didn't even give me any pain medication. They were like, see you later. I was like, oh, okay, sure. Um, and Two weeks later, my fiance and I packed up all our stuff and drove a U-Haul three days down to Texas. And looking back at that, I have no idea how I did that because my fiance has epilepsy as well. He's also chronically ill and he can't drive. So I had to drive the three days down myself wow. in this excruciating pain. Um, luckily, in the process of feeling all of this, and by the way, I never had one gynecologist mentioned the word endometriosis to me. Not one, not ever, even though I saw so many and asked the same questions and was like, this isn't right, this pain isn't right, something's wrong, please help me. Never once did I hear the word endometriosis. And for me, I remember seeing, you know, the prescription drug commercials that only happen in America uh, about endometriosis. And the one thing that like they really, you know, pointed out was pain with sex. Hmm. And I never had that. So I was like, well, it can't be that it can't be endometriosis.
2: Right.
1: Um, so we drove down and my family was like, who is this person? You are not yourself. <laughs> you are sad and you are depressed and you are in pain and you are just not who I am. I am naturally a very optimistic person, a very happy, go lucky person. And I was not that and divine intervention. My sister had a really good friend who has endometriosis and she was like, let me connect you to her. So I had a phone call and I was like, this is what I'm dealing with. This is my pain. Um, it's in my hips. It's in my legs. Some days I can't walk. Um, you know, some, some days I'm just vomiting and I can't eat. Um, and the pain is 24 seven. And she was like, here's my doctor, here's my endosurgeon, go and see her. And there are only like a hundred excision specialists in the world for endometriosis. And I happened to be referred to one like right away. And I knew I like prepped myself <laughs> to advocate. Cause I was like, I, I'm going to go in there. My Aries energy being like, we're going to stand strong. We're going to get answers. And I walked in and I was like, had you know, my sheet of all my symptoms. <laughs> I was like, let me just read them to you, please. Cause I've been keeping track. And she was like, yeah, sounds like endometriosis to me. I was like, Oh, Oh, and she was like, yeah, here are your options. You can either take this medication, which for me, it was oralissa Um, and oralissa and Lupron are two um, very heavily di- uh, prescribed medications for endo, which are have really horrible side effects. And you can only be on them for like three months because of your bone loss. And it's basically like a chemo drug. And I was like, no, I don't want that. <laughs> I don't want to take that. So she was like, okay, well, our other option is surgery. And we can do um, the excision surgery and we can see what's in there and we can see if if it's endo. And so again, it was truly this divine intervention of finding the right people and being able to even have the surgery, which so many endo warriors just don't have the luxury of having. And even now that I'm almost two years post-surgery, I had that in August of 2020, like my symptoms are coming back because it's incurable. Mm. You know, it's like you can't, it's like a cancer surgery. It's so microscopic and it can it can show up as black, blue, red, pink, clear. Like I got my photos back and there were just circles. And I was like, what is she even circling? <laughs> <laughs> because it was like freaking clear. Yeah. So it's incurable and there's no, you know, there's no cure for it. There's no apt treatment for it besides surgery. Um, and I was just really lucky enough to be able to find that doctor.
0: Yeah. So you weren't even a hundred percent sure that you had endometriosis until your doctor performed a surgery to try to find it and remove it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: Back to Dr. Google, you know, I was yeah. like, is this good for me? And I was like, I think so. Cause it led me to to the diagnosis
0: yeah what was your reduction in symptoms right after once you've healed from the surgery what was the difference
1: yeah so big difference huge difference um in in the endo world you know excision is the gold standard because it takes it out from the root um there's another surgery called ablation which just burns off the top layer so if you have ablation usually it comes back pretty quickly if you have excision you have a little more time so after my surgery uh I felt a lot better, you know. I could walk. I had more energy. I did not have the pain in my hips and my thighs that I was having, because she, you know, I could eat again. I didn't have the nausea. She excised it from my uterus, my pouch of Douglas behind my uterus, my bladder, my bowel. She took off a cyst on my ovary. Uh, it's like no wonder I was in so much pain, really. Um, yeah. But I, it, it did help so much
0: yeah and you you mentioned some of these symptoms are starting to come back. Are you considering doing another excision in the future?
1: Probably I mean unfortunately, most endo warriors, if they do have surgery, need to have multiple um but then you know there's other other you know experts out there who say that having multiple surgeries can actually make it worse because of the scar tissue and the adhesions Mm and then your organs can stick together. And so it's damned if you do, damned if you don't, really.
0: Just trying to find the the best way to deal with it as things progress and change. Yeah. Yeah. So the first uh, first episode we did on endometriosis, we talked a lot about um, this growing body of evidence that there is a connection between childhood trauma and endometriosis. And that's something that... The individual we talked to had absolutely experienced. Um, have you put any thought into your particular case and the cause of your endometriosis?
1: I have. You know, it's there's no definitive answer. Sure, sure. And they don't know what causes it. They don't. They think that there's a genetic component. And of course, you know, with the work I do with human design and. You know, I'm pretty witchy and woo woo. Like I believe there is an energetic component to it. Um, I've done a lot of energy healing. I've seen a lot of people, and honestly, just just it doesn't really help much for me right now. I see the good in that. Absolutely, it's what I do for a living. <laughs> I can't <laughs> not. Um, but I also live in that crossroads of science and woo, where I know a lot of people who are in energy work who preach that it's only energetic and I do not believe that, (laughs) but absolutely. You know, I have experienced trauma. You know, we talk about childhood trauma and really childhood trauma can be up to like age 18, you know, complex traumas at those ages of, you know, the turning points of, of growing up. Um, And there are, there are definitely some things I can point to, Um, but who, who knows? You know i believe in the integrative approach i will continue to do the shadow work and the energy work and looking into my own human design and all of the things um i can't wait to listen to that episode
0: (laughs) yeah it was really it was really powerful um yeah yeah and you know it's so it's so interesting when like science has all these theories but uh and there's also like the the personal intuition about like what is happening to me like how do I piece together my own story and having well, now that you have the answers, you can kind of look back and piece together what's happened to you. But right before we started recording, we were talking about your COVID experience and, um, and how your you mentioned that your, your endosymptoms got a lot worse after your first bout of COVID in, in 2020. Um, and that is absolutely a, you know, a physical trauma going through like mm-hmm. a severe illness. And it sounds like that kind of kicked things into high gear. Yeah. Um so it's like you can have that intellectual in- intuition experience of like this is what happened this is what fe- what it feels like happened to me and these things feel connected but th- even with that there's no way to prove that there's no like way to scientifically say to connect those dots to say hey my endometriosis got worse post-COVID, so COVID caused a flare. Like, yes, that's that makes sense to me. When you say that to me, I believe that 100%. But like, even that, how are you supposed to prove that? You know, that's why the, the science of, of the body is so complicated because – Doctors are always looking for proof in order to take action on something, but sometimes the proof cannot be found because the tools do not exist to connect certain dots together. So then you're just going off of intuition or guessing. And if you don't have a doctor who's willing to, to take some of those leaps of faith with you, then you often can't make any progress.
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Um, And you know, there's also an added layer, at least for me, of going back to human design and human design. We have something called the incarnation cross, which is like your purpose here in this lifetime, if you believe in reincarnation. Um, and for me, it's the left angle cross of healing. And when I read about my cross of healing, I was like, oh, what? I feel so called out. It was like <laughs> my purpose here, like my path I'm supposed to walk is to help the collective, see how important your health is. And when you don't have health, look at everything else that kind of goes downhill. And people with this cross often go through bouts of illness and chronic illness themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, So a big part of my journey, you know, is ascending the levels of consciousness of life happens for me and not to me, um, which can be very complicated when you're chronically ill um, to hear, you know, well, life doesn't happen to you. And it's like, oh, so you're saying I caused all of this. And I absolutely do not think that, um, but I do believe in the responsibility of moving forward in a productive way and taking responsibility for how you move forward and how you can use it moving forward. Um, you know, like this podcast, creating awareness, if you weren't going through this, this podcast would never exist. Very
0: true. Yeah. Although
1: we don't, we don't, we want to be healthy. <laughs> Let's call it a a
0: <laughs> Yeah, totally. But the way you process and move forward through what's happening to you is what defines you. Not necessarily what happens to you because there's an element of randomness to that. Yeah. Um, but what have you taken from this journey with your health that you've been on? Like, what are your takeaways from dealing with so much pain, so much discomfort, so much uncertainty And then finding answers and being able to move through that in a way where you've found a better, a better path through these things that have been plaguing you on and off throughout your life. How do you, you know, now that you have pieces to put back into your own story, what is the story you tell yourself about that?
1: Mm. Through this experience, I have created and been invited into and found some really, really incredible people. And I call them my endo besties, (laughs) (laughs) like endo besties. We have a group chat uh, with people who just get it and really helping people know that they're not alone in this and being, I think in the chronic illness community, there is a lot of. I don't want to say negativity. I want to say sadness. I don't know the right word. I don't know the right word. You guys tell me what the right word is. <laughs> <laughs> but of people who are like, yes, this sucks. And I'm just going to live here now because I don't see light at the end of the tunnel. I don't see how I can live well. And I think finding the people who really align with you in that way, like my endo who are like, Hey, today was a shit day and I couldn't get out of bed and I couldn't eat anything. And I was vomiting and I had to stay in the bath for four hours, but like, look at these cute memes. And like, how are you guys doing? <laughs> you know, there's like community and, and awareness and just, you know, living well with chronic illness that is possible, even if it gets really bad. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is really part of what I try to bring to my experience of showing people both like on my Instagram. So like I'm an authenticity coach and human design reader on my Instagram. Like I do not shy away from my bad days because I think that social media especially can be very, very triggering for people who see, you know, your highlight reels of everyone out there living their best lives, which is just not true. Everyone has peaks and valleys. Everyone has ups and downs. And I like to show people that you can live well with chronic illness and that even on days when I do struggle, um, it's okay. It's okay to accept that and move through it and integrate that. I think integration is probably the best word.
0: Yeah. Yeah, totally. And this idea of um, integrating versus fighting against something that's happening to you, whether you want it or not, you know, It's so hard to accept a chronic illness into your life, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) because like no one wants it. None of us wanted this, but, but there is a way to learn to live with it and find joy and happiness and experience good moments and have a valuable, productive life, even if it is not what you expected it to be. And all the reframing and, you know, mental gymnastics that go into that are very painful and difficult, but possible. Um, So, you know. I think that that is definitely one of the core messages of this podcast and the reason I make this podcast is because this is my process of of you know finding meaning inside of my own chronic illness is like trying to build this community and um make something that hopefully helps other people feel like their journey is a little bit easier than it was without this podcast it does that for me and that's that's definitely you know a part of my healing process and um and you're right this pod, like you said this podcast wouldn't exist. I I might still be podcasting about science fiction to 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 very few people. <laughs> um if it weren't for my chronic illness kind of throwing a wrench into things. Um and this podcast is one of the things I'm most proud of in my life that I've ever done. For sure. It's something when I think about like what have I achieved as a person, this is way up at the top of the list. Yeah,
1: um, it's so important.
0: It's yeah, so important. Thank you. I appreciate that. And like yeah. and it's so important to me and it's so interesting because I also like don't want to be chronically ill forever. <laughs> right. but, but without the experience of chronic illness that I've had to date, I would be such a different person. And I don't think I would like myself as much, um, which, is, which is interesting. It's, you know, okay. it's a hard thing to integrate. Um, yeah. But yeah, speaking about, you know, liking myself and like relationships to the world, tell me about your relationship with your partner, because you mentioned that um, you're engaged to someone with epilepsy. Mm-hmm. So, you both have a chronic illness. Um, How do you navigate a relationship with two people who have a chronic illness?
1: Yeah. So we're very much a team. (laughs) I find that, you know, not even just in the illness part of it, um, because he has some autoimmune stuff too, but like, we're really good at kind of when one of us is having a bad day, the other one is there to kind of uplift them and then vice versa. Um, And it, it's been great. You know, we've decided not to have children in our relationship, in our, our future marriage, we're getting married in September. Um, and that was um, a process to come to. Uh, we both kind of came to that conclusion ourselves before we really had deep conversation together and what that would mean. Um, but being chronically ill and knowing that some days I can barely take care of myself, honestly, mm-hmm. <laughs> like not to say that chronically ill people cannot have be parents and be great parents. Uh, but for us, it just wasn't that choice, but he actually said something to me yesterday. Um, cause I'm also dealing with some new symptoms, which is fun. So I'm in process of, uh, trying to figure out if it's a new autoimmune (laughs) Mm. We. Uh, but he told me yesterday, he was like, you know, sometimes in the realm of invisible illness, he's like, I know that you struggle daily, that I have pain daily. If it's reproductive, if it's digestive, um, If it's just having, you know, crazy fatigue and having to nap, you know, going through a flare. Um, But because I try to live well with it and because I try to integrate my illness, you know, he was like, sometimes I forget. (laughs) He's like, I know that you're in pain, but sometimes I look at you, invisible illness, and I forget. And it's nice to have a partnership where you can have these open conversations and be truly. Authentic in the good times and the bad. Um, But for me, having him as a true partner has been invaluable.
2: Mm.
1: I've had relationships in the past, albeit before I was diagnosed with (laughs) chronic illness, but I just felt like I couldn't communicate how I was feeling in that day, or it would mean X, Y, Z, or they wouldn't want to you know, uh, put in the effort for our relationship or show up in the way that I need. And so I would hide it and I wouldn't Mm -hmm. allow myself to express that part, but with him, like it's easy. And I do think having a partner, as you know, having somebody to support you through all of it and be there and say, you do need to go to that doctor's appointment or, (laughs) you know, have you, have you been taking your vitamins every day? Um, things like that, just to keep you on point and having that partner is has been so, so important for me.
0: Yeah, that's that's a, beautiful. I love it. Um, so you mentioned at the beginning that a lot of people with endometriosis might have Hashimoto's also. So can you tell me anything else about the interlapping of these two chronic illnesses that you live with?
1: Yeah, so because your thyroid re is part of your endocrine endocrine system, excuse me. Uh, it really helps and hurts your reproductive system. Uh, so I know that if I'm having thyroid problems, my endo gets worse and those can overlap in fatigue and brain fog and weight gain, all of those good things I was saying before. Um, and, you know, with chronic illness, and especially autoimmune conditions, so much overlaps. Mm -hmm. And so you don't really know because if your thyroid is off, then your digestive system is off, which all lives down in that same area. So it's like, am I feeling, am I feeling stomach pain? Am I feeling intestinal pain? Am I feeling uterine pain, ovarian pain? Is it an endo adhesion? Is it in my hips? Is it like a PTSD is so real. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and like right now I'm dealing with digestive issues. I'm like, are my thyroid levels off? That could be it. Am I experiencing new growth of, of endo and adhesions? Is that what's causing it? Have I developed IBD? Have I developed ulcerative colitis or Crohn's? Cause those go hand in hand with Hashimoto's and endometriosis and with autoimmune, like I said before, you know, if you have one, chances are you have you have another one underlying there somewhere. (laughs) Um, So it's, it's all just a game, (laughs) a really crazy, terrible game.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I, I hope that medicine is going in a direction where doctors will start to look at the body as a system and the interconnectedness of different diseases. It's so segmented. Where it's like you have symptoms in this one place, well, there's only one doctor that can help with that. But it's like, well, these symptoms might be caused by something else that's in another place in my body, and there's just no acknowledgement of that. Like, you look in the textbooks, and they all say yes to that, but as far as finding someone to help you treat that, that's completely separate. So,
1: yeah,
0: um, yeah so I hope Even that...
1: With my- yeah. So even with my, like going to my functional medicine doctor, my thyroid doctor, I like emailed her and was like, hi, I'm dealing with these issues. Is there any blood tests we can add on? And she was like, well, I might have to just refer you to a GI specialist.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I'm like, I don't want to see any more doctors. I just want one who does everything.
0: <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. And that doesn't exist, unfortunately. And, yeah. um, you know, yeah, it's, I mean, and also like no one human being can hold all medical science in their brain. So, it's just so tricky. It's like for people with complex situations going on, it's really hard to find good care. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate you being so open and candid today. I've, you know, you've taught us a lot and it's fascinating to hear your story and to hear what you've been through and all the ups and downs and you know, it's it, like this is a snapshot of what's been up until now and you still have so much ahead of you and you know, I wish you the best in your journey and congratulations on your upcoming wedding that's so exciting
2: thank you um
0: so yeah my my last question for you is if you could send a piece of information back in time to yourself you know let's say when you were a child and starting to experience these really painful periods and no one was helping you if you from everything that you've learned going through this process if you could send any piece of information back to yourself what would it be
1: trust yourself trust yourself little stacy (laughs) (laughs) something you know it's not right it's not right starting your period at nine being on prescription painkillers at 15 you know like going through all these things and knowing that these doctors are not doing everything they can like be advocating for yourself and I guess I would hug her I would say you can do it it's gonna be hard but it's gonna be worth it and you can do it and you're gonna meet some really fantastic people in the process in this chronic illness community who are just so resilient and so empathetic and so strong um, that able, you know, able people just don't get it. It's like chronic, you know, what they say about chronic illness. You don't get it till you get it. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> That's so true. Well, tell us where we can find you online. Is there anything you'd like to plug?
1: Yeah. Uh, so you can follow me on Instagram, Stacy underscore keel one underscore i do have an imposter out there who's made a fake account of mine who has two underscores so do not follow them uh stacy underscore keel uh on instagram yeah let me know if anyone is interested in human design it's been really game-changing in my healing process and my self-acceptance really in all forms
0: so get at me yeah so instagram's the best spot are you on tiktok as well
1: uh, I am, but I don't really post much. Okay. <laughs> I'm more of a lurker. I'm a lurker on TikTok.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I always tag my guests on Instagram and TikTok. Those are the two platforms I use. And I'm very happy to tag you on both uh, yeah, when great. I release the episode, if that sounds good to you.
1: Awesome.
0: Awesome. And that'll be a quick and easy way for people who follow the podcast to find you. Um, well, Stacy, thank you so much for your time today, for sharing your story. Um, I really appreciate it. And I'm so glad we finally connected and we had a couple of false starts, you know, Yes. Two people with chronic illness trying to <laughs> yes. schedule anything is always a disaster, but we did it. We made it happen.
1: We did it. We're did it. We're here. Thank you so much, Jesse. This has been wonderful. Thank you for allowing me to share my story and allow my voice to be heard. I appreciate it.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of major pain. I'm Jesse Mercury, your host and the producer of this podcast artwork by egg salad salad. Our theme music is the song time machine from my sci-fi synth pop album. Available at jessimercury.bandcamp.com. Send your thoughts or questions to our email address, majorpainpodcast at gmail.com. You can also use that address to find us on PayPal. Tips are greatly appreciated. Don't forget to leave a positive rating and review on Apple Podcasts or the podcast platform of your choice. Find more information about this show or leave a comment on any episode at our website, majorpainpodcast.com.